Thank you, thank you, thank you. So uh, the part that Dr. Melody didn't describe is, um, you know, I've applied Dr. Melody's teachings, right? So I drank the Dr. Melody Kool-Aid all the way back for, for 2006. And uh, I have applied her leadership principles in my workplace across all those years. We've partnered together. She's come down, Apostle Steve, right? right come down. And uh, she has actually taught my employees uh, and, and, and raised us up and, and give us, gave us a language, gave us a, a vision. Um, and my heart, when I took that position to head up that division, um, I had been working for the company for 10 years. And uh, the company had so blessed me. I just was overflowing with this heart of gratitude. I wanted to give back. Right, the, the company blessed me so much. I got to have fun doing. Dr. Melody says, um, uh, if you love what you do, you won't work a day in your life, right? I, I wasn't working for 10 years. I loved what I did, so I wanted to give back. And giving back meant, uh, now it's my turn. It's my turn to give you, my employees, the same opportunities the company gave me. And that's what I wanted. I wanted to give back, and that was my heart. So I've been on this journey, right? I sat in this house four years ago, almost four years ago to, uh, last month. Um, Dr. Sharon was in town, and um, she just gave one of her random words. And it, that word rocked my life, turned my life upside down. And, and the key was she said, I'm not, God is not looking to bless my company He's looking to build a testimony of a transformed company. So I was on this committee and, uh, you know, corporate level, and we're doing this gigantic restructuring, and I thought, oh, this is it. I'm fulfilling this, this word. I'm going to transform this company, um, which, by the way, I work for a multi-billion dollar company, right? I'm not a multi-billion dollar person. <laughs> so, so, um, so. Uh, yeah, I'm not a multi-billionaire, no. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, right. <clears throat> um, so, and that whole idea, and I birthed the idea, and the whole idea flopped on its face, and I went through such a humbling, because my idea just went flat on its corporate face in front of all these other executives. Um, I was humbled. It was a good thing. It was growth. Um, last year, Dr. Ed Silvoso spoke at IGAP, and Ed, Dr. Ed has this message that he's been carrying on transformation. And so that's what I wanted to share with you today. I felt like the Lord was saying, share the journey. Now, I'm still on this journey, right? So I don't have a lot of, you know, great profound things to share, but I feel like the Lord was saying, share where I am and where I've got so far, okay? So is that good? You okay with that? Okay. So, um, here we go. It all starts with this revelation, right? So, so here's Jesus, right? Opening this, he just did battle with the devil. Comes down, he's coming down. He's, he's in the synagogue. He's opened up the scroll. Opens up to Isaiah 61. And Jesus reads, as quoted in Luke 4, right? Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to four things, right? Deal with the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed, and here's the revelation that God gave to Dr. Ed Silvoso. 
When the devil gives is dominant in a city or a region or a territory, this is the fruit of his work. Four levels of poverty. You see it? Material poverty, relational poverty, spiritual poverty, and motivational poverty. You see it? When the devil is given dominance in a region, he brings four degrees of poverty. But the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to overturn all four dimensions of those poverties. Hallelujah. So this is my testimony, and I love the Passion Translation. Jesus is saying, right, this is after the sons of Zebedee, uh, the, the mom. Anybody have your mom embarrass you and ask some questions of, like, whatever? So I feel like this is what's going on here, right? So the mom asked Jesus, hey, you know. Anyway, let's get on to the point. So, so Jesus said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. So, oppressively, right? And tyrants. Look at the theme here. Both of those actions take away freedom. We just were saying about freedom. But this is not your calling, right? You will lead by a completely different model, right? The greatest one among you will be the one who is the servant of all. So I felt like the Lord was saying to me, uh, let me share this. Give me a chance. Bear with me. Bunny trail. Dr. Pat Robertson. Anybody know who Dr. Pat Robertson is? Right? CBN, 700 Club? Okay. He said... um, he was interviewed on Sid Roth recently, and, and um, he was sharing. Sid is saying, you know, what's your secret? And he said, at early age, I was seeking the Lord, and I prayed this prayer. Lord, I want to understand how the world works. And he prayed that prayer for five years. And finally, the Lord revealed a revelation. And the revelation was, if... Jesus, Jesus, if I am the Son of God, if I am God, then the words that I spoke when I was on earth reveal truths about how the world operates. So that led Dr. Pat Robertson to reread the scriptures from a whole different context. Wait a minute. Jesus, in all these things he's teaching, he's explaining how the world works. Here's one of them. All right? Here's one of them. But this is not your calling. Because the one who's going to be greatest, right? Greatest is mega in Greek. Mm-hmm. Mega is what? Large, huge. How do you get big? You get big by getting, by serving, right? So, hmm, slight font difference. Okay. So it's the selfish versus the selfless. <laughs> I had to put this in here. We just celebrated 500 years of, right? freedom from the oppression, right, from religion, right? So here's the Babylonian model. This is the model that ever since the Babylonians ruled, Babylonians, Romans, Greeks, right? 
This is the model the whole world operates on. The many serve the few. Right? Right? Jesus is saying, but that's not how I designed the world to work. I designed the world to work that the real leader, the leader that's going to grow, the leader that's going to advance, the leader that's going to expand is going to be the one who serves others. So notice, service in the first model, service goes up to the leader, right? In Jesus' model, Jesus is saying, that's not the way I designed the work. Service comes from the leader. So check it out, right? We've got companies today in Silicon Valley that are operating by this model, and they don't even know it, right? My favorite example is Amazon, who today is now the world's largest online retailer. And they're, they're, Amazon is so dominant, they're scaring the pants off of everybody else, right? CVS is so worried they're going to lose their brick-and-mortar business because, they're, because of Amazon's online business, with the acquisition of Whole Foods, they now have access to the pharmaceutical markets and the distribution of, of pharmacy drugs that they're threatened, that they're so nervous, they're looking at acquiring an insurance company. Because here's the deal, right? So I, my favorite story about Jeff Bezos is back in his early days, he's the CEO of Amazon, he built all his office furniture out of two by fours and plywood because he wanted everyone to know. He wanted to set the culture for his company. He wanted everybody to know that this retail world of selling books, which is what they did back then, is so margin tight. The room for profit is so small. He wanted everybody to know that even the CEO of the company is using two by fours and plywood to build his own desk furniture, office furniture, right? He set that tone. But he had the fundamental model of serving customers and figuring out how to deliver products to them more cost-effectively and with greater value. He served them. And the more he served, the bigger his company got. And look at him today. They're so good. It's, how many people shop at Amazon? Anybody? Anybody not? Anybody not shop at Amazon? Okay. Okay. Um, they'll get you. Just wait. I felt like what the Lord was saying is we advance by learning how to serve and serve is take care of the, the needs of others. I was sharing with Dr. Melody, I don't know, this morning or last night. Um, I realized that there's some things that I have that are gifts. I didn't realize they're gifts. I just do it, Right? You all have that, right? There's just, it's, just, it's easy for you, right? The, the Michael Jordans of the world do what they do because they make it look easy because they're so gifted, right? The Lord has graced them with so much talent. The Lord has given me an ability to listen to a customer and be able to discern what their real needs are. And then, I, then with my authority, I can form a team and deliver exactly what that customer needs. We had this, uh, we had a customer come to us recently, and they said, for two years, this other company has been performing on this contract. I work for um, a company that is a government contracting company. Right, so everything we do is we're contracted to deliver services, engineering and, and, and information technology services to the federal government. Our um, Dr. Bob Beister, who founded the company in 1969, 
He founded it because his compatriots were, were, were really treating the federal government very dishonorably. And so he left that company, decided to start his own, you know, mortgaged his house and everything. He, um, and vowed that this company that he was going to start was going to be built on the foundations of ethics and integrity. And that we will treat the federal government with ethics and integrity. And we will serve the federal government and deliver to them what they deserve to have. That was the mission. And that's still the corporate values today. Where are we? 48 years later. And, and by the way, uh, at the end of the first year, he had given 90% of his company away to his employees. And he started the employee ownership model. Talk about a magnanimous man. I, um, he, uh, our financial statements, right, publicly traded company, um, uh, audited by, you know, top CPA firms. There's a disclosure statement in our older financial statements that say, um, these financial statements are slightly inflated because the CEO has voluntarily capped his salary and bonus. He refused to take more than a million dollars of stock and salary because he said, I can't spend it all. I'm going to keep it in the company so that my company, I can invest in my company so we can get, learn how to give even greater value to our customers, right? What a model of servanthood. He went 30-something years of consecutive revenue and profit growth. Why? Because he, whether he knew it or not, I don't know whether he knew it or not, but he was following the way that Jesus designed the yes. world to work. Yes, that's good. That's really good. So, is it important that you become greater? Yeah. Right? Here's my answer. Not for my gain, but for his kingdom. Not for my advancement, but for the advancement of his kingdom. Okay, so um, here's the start of the things that I've learned, right? Here's the mission. So Jesus said, go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey me, right? Go into all the world. So you guys have heard this part before, right? You go into all the world, not make disciples in the nations. Our job is to not go make some Christians in every nation. Our job is to make the United States of America be a Christian nation, right? Make Mexico become a Christian nation. That means that they're following God. They're inviting him in, and they let God rule and reign instead of the devil, right? And so instead, what happens then is... We need to ask ourselves some questions. How did Jesus want us to change the world? So can we ask some questions? In the English translation of the New Testament, right, the scriptures, the word ecclesia got translated church. Right? Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my ecclesia. Right? Jesus only used the word ecclesia in two conversations in all of the Gospels. Right? Why did he only talk about ecclesia twice? Why didn't he tell us how to teach us how to plant a church? Why did he use the word ecclesia 
instead of the word synagogue or temple, which were the prevailing religious institutions of the day, right? If Jesus came today, he would use the word church, and the church would refer to this, if that's what he meant. Here's a great question. If the ecclesia, the New Testament model that got birthed at Pentecost, right, was the model of what Jesus wanted. In two years, Paul followed the model of the ecclesia, and he preached without building a building, without training up professional clergy, without having even social status, right? We fight so hard for social status here, right? That in two years, do I have that scripture? Yes. This went on, this is talking about Paul, this went on for two years so that all the, all the Jews and Greeks, so if you're not a Jew, right, you're, you're a Gentile, right? So he's talking about all, there's about a million people in the region who lived in the province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. You know, I used to read through that scripture and say, okay, great, right, I just go on, right? But the revelation that came out of this was, wait a minute, in two years, the gospel got preached to a million people, to the entire region, so that everyone in the region heard the word of the Lord. Whoa, let's apply that to us, yeah. right? Let's say here, just giving light. That means in two, you have two years to go evangelize <laughs> the entire you know, Harrisburg region, central Pennsylvania region, right? To get to a million people, right? Wait a minute. Wow. How do we, yeah, right, wow. How do we do that? Let me just talk about the reason first, right? For God so loved the world. Everybody knows this scripture, right? The Lord was just showing me, he highlighted these words, right? We emphasize Jesus, not that I want to de-emphasize Jesus in that passage, but for God so loved the world. And the word there, world, is cosmos, it's not ethnos. It's not just the people. It's the world and all of the systems of the world. God loves the businesses, the governments, the schools. Yeah. God loves all the systems of the world. Why? He actually designed them. We just learned about one of them, right? He wants transformation, revival, we would call it, right? Marketplace terminology, transformation in government, business, education, right? Seven mountains is what we would call it, right? Seven mountain model. For the Son of Man has come to say, seek and save that which was lost, not just who was lost. Yes. Not, in other words, our mission is not just to make Christians, right, to save who was lost, but that which was lost. God wants his presence, his grace, his goodness, his blessing yeah invited into all dimensions of life, right? Amen? What happens when God is invited in? Ha. Okay, so this is Dr. Ed. This is Ed Silvosa. This is Rosario, Argentina. This is just one of the places. Rosario, Argentina. So this is a place... Over 50% of the population was living in poverty. Half of the people, right? More than half. 
overrun by battling drug cartels. You know, we have a responsibility. Let me just philosophize for a second. We have a responsibility to stimulate the economy. We have a response to shepherd the economy of our region. Why? Because if the people can't earn a legal living, they'll earn an illegal living. And that's how drug cartels get place, is filling a vacuum that we left. Rides widespread, rioting, eluding. And here's the key. A pastor was praying, and the Lord revealed a gate of Hades. Right? Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Right? Keys to do what? Open doors. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. Right? A gate of Hades was revealed in Rosario, and it was in uh, the community center. So the Lord gave them a strategy. So they went in and did a practical thing. They went into the, the mayor and they said, hey, we want to volunteer to repaint the community center, right? This is a gate of Hades. And, the, and they said, and it won't cost you anything. We'll pay for the paint and all the labor and everything. How are they going to say no to that, right? What, an, what a practical offer. So they go in and with every stroke of the brush, they pronounce a blessing yes. on the building, to the point when that building was finished, it was so blessed that the gate of Hades was closed. So what happened? They, the mayor then comes, they get, finally get an audience with the mayor, because you can't have influence without relationship. They finally get an audience with the mayor, and the mayor says, how can I help you? Typical public servant, right? And they said, we're not looking for you to, to provide us anything. We want to provide you something. Right? We want to give you something. We want to serve you. What's a miracle we could pray for? And he said, I don't believe in miracles. That's okay, we do. <laughs> so they prayed, and he said, if this rioting would stop, that would be a miracle. Because it's chaos, right? You can tell the devil's in control because it's chaos. The God of order isn't there. They prayed, and that day, riding stopped. That day, riding stopped. The gate of Hades was overrun with blessings from the Lord, and the riding stopped. That got the mayor's attention, right? So then the mayor said, what else do you think we should do? So they came up with and said, well, you know, we should pave the streets. We should install a sewer system. We should install a street light so that it's lit at night, and it, right? Um, new school, et cetera. They were praying, and another um, revelation the Lord revealed is exactly where these hidden drug bunkers were. And so the Ministry of Defense came in, and they um, demolished uh, those drug bunkers. So the drug cartels were ejected out of Rosario. Their, their operating base was removed, right? So what happens when God is invited in? Evil is displaced. Amen. Then, the, then the ecclesia, the church, right? The church, the ecclesia, they started adopting the governor and they started praying for the governor. And they got an audience with the governor 
and you know, things start steamrolling and all these blessings start to flow, right? And the, the mayor and the city is starting to turn around and economic prosperity is starting to return. What happens then? So the governor then um, starts to see all this and you know, eventually the governor would testify that it's a spiritual transformation that happened in Rosario. But here's ultimately now some of the big fruits is the government took 50,000 at-risk youth which the government called a social ticking time bomb. That these kids that were in jail, in prison, or incarcerated, or all kinds of troubled status, the government didn't know how to deal with them, rehabilitate them. So in desperation, he reached out to the church, and he gave the church control of 50,000 youth. And the government paid for the program that they set up to train them, right? Talk about influence. So here's the result of what happens when God in his ecclesia is mobilized in a region, right? Transformation happens. So here's just a map of just some testimonies. My wife and I, Connie and I, were were in a conference a couple of weeks ago, um, and we just heard testimonies from each one of these cities of how um, transformation is happening, how the ecclesia is moving. There's a whole bunch of stories um, there and so here's Rosario, right? Declaration of Prayer. Oh, 1,400 buildings have been built in Rosario. The port was reopened and is now one of the most active ports in all of Argentina. Economic went from 50% above the, or below the poverty line, over 50%, to economic prosperity, right? In Deuteronomy 28, God said, if... You diligently obey the commandments I give to you. All these blessings will come to you. So what does he say? He says, you know, you'll be blessed, right? Obed-Edom, right? His family was blessed, right? The presence of God, when the presence of God is there, everything gets blessed. Your children get blessed. So for those of you who have kids, your children do nothing. You are obedient. Your children get blessed. They did nothing. You did everything, Right? <laughs> Your household is blessed. Your finances are blessed. Your workplace, your profession is blessed, right? If the result of inviting God into a region is that everyone gets blessed, who would not want God in their region, right? So what's happening here is we have such a liar out there, spreading and distorting who God is, right? Creating a false image and a false brand of who God is. Some ogre, some tyrant who's always angry and always trying to punish, seeking ways, waiting for his finger to come punish us, right? And we just sang about a God who's gracious, a God who gives freedom, a God who heals, a God who restores, a God who blesses. Mm. I got to tell the story. <laughs> Phuket, Thailand. Pastor from England is, you know, missionary, exiled, <laughs> missionary to Thailand. He's been there 16 years. He's grown his church to 46 over that 16 years. <laughs> Dr. Ed Silvosa comes in, right, equips them, teaches them about the ecclesia and transformation. This one woman 
catches hold of the concept. She is an ice cream merchant. She said, oh, that means all my customers are my sheep and I'm their pastor. That my bicycle and my, my ice cream crate, this, this is the chariot of God. And each ice cream cone that I sell is a flame of the Holy Spirit. And so she started praying this prayer over her ice cream and her people, customers, regular customers started commenting, did you change the recipe? <laughs> no, you're tasting the goodness of God. One of the customers was the local leader of the government. And he got a lick and said, oh, what just happened there? <laughs> and she said, come and find out. The church meets Sunday at this time. So he came. The pastor, who spent 16 years growing in a small church, is preaching a message on corruption. And corruption ran rampant in Thailand. And so the pastor is shaking in his pulpit. His knees are shaking because he's preaching. He's just thinking, oh, my, this government official is going to get me sent back, right? Kicked out of the country and sent back. So before the service ends, right, the government official is gone. He gets a call later in the week, invites him to his office, thinking, okay, now here it is, the official kick out. And he said, I was touched by your message. And I was just offered a million-dollar bribe, and here it is puts it on the desk. And he said, I don't know what to do with it now that I've heard your message. And the pastor said, neither do I. <laughs> and I, so the Lord led them to a bunch of things, and they ended up using all of that bribe money because they, they couldn't even give it back to the originator of the bribe because there was no accounting ledger entry return of bribe. So... They ended up using it to finance um, a ministry buildup. But the bottom line of the story is 700 people, their church grew to 700 by the end of that first year. 20,000 people came to the Lord wow. through them. There was no building large enough that they could meet in. That's Ecclesia. Um, <laughs> Ciudad Juarez, I mean, here's the murder capital of the world. Here's a place you wouldn't want to even go there. You wouldn't want to, let alone buy a house there. You wouldn't want to establish your business there. You wouldn't even want to go there. It's the murder capital of the world. People were killed every day because two drug cartels were warring against each other openly. There was no order. God gave the pastor a strategy and he just walked out this simple little prayer strategy. And I'll tell you about that in a second, about how to walk this out. Um, but here's the turnaround of that city. People can walk out in the streets now openly, right? It's safe now to come back. The economy recovered. Uh, Francis Oda is a Japanese-American. He lives in Hawaii owns his own architectural firm, right? We connected, right? I'm Japanese-American. <laughs> I'm uh, Yonsei, that's fourth generation. Um, anyway, he uh, was meditating one day on this scripture, and uh, he, he said, I just got into this practice of learning to just go and seek Holy Spirit's voice every morning. 
and I waited until I got the instruction of the day, and I would write it down. That morning, I was meditating on this scripture, and the Lord just flashed this dollar amount, 20 times larger than the largest job I had ever done. He owned an architectural firm. There were seven people in it. He had six employees. Later on that afternoon, uh, Marriott executive comes in and says, hey, we have built multiple business hotels. This is the 1980s. We had built multiple you know, um, hotels for business, for, for conventions, but we want to build our first resort in Hawaii, and we want you to design it, and here's the amount we're willing to pay you for it. And it was the exact number that the Lord had showed him earlier that day. They flew him out to a board meeting. The staff architect lead for Marriott, all Marriott, stands up, says, hey, I want to know why we're hiring him to do this job and not me, right? This little seven-person firm versus my whole army of architects that we do all the architectural. The guy who hired him stands up and says, because we want a native Hawaiian to design our first Hawaiian resort. And I don't know, have you, any of you been to the uh, Marriott in, in Maui? I mean, even though it, that, that hotel is 30 some odd years old, it's gorgeous. So he said, okay, then you need to bring all the drawings and I need to approve them, right? So Francis Oda goes off, he prays the next morning and the Lord starts showing him designs and he starts sketching out what the Lord is showing him. Vivid pictures, visualizations of the pools, the hotel, the architecture, even showed him um, decorations to hang in the hotel and even gave him poetry and he wrote all this stuff down. He said it to his team, did all the drawings and the Marriott team hired them and they built the most profitable Marriott property for the next 10 years. And Francis will tell you today, he testified and said, that was not my design. That was God's design. Oh, wait a minute. My point, hang on. My point there is, hang on. Yeah, my point here is, we usually look at this scripture for the tithe, right? But the point that the Lord was pointing out to me was, here's our God. Our God will bless us so much that we won't have enough room to store his blessings. When Jesus said, I came to give life, I came to give life in overflowing abundance, right? He wants to bless us so much that the overflow blesses the people around us, right? So here we go again, this one. This extravagant love, until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God, he will achieve infinitely more, right? Then your greatest request, your greatest request. So I'm thinking, you know, our request is here. Infinitely more, can't even, right? It's through the roof. <clears throat> your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination, right? God wants to release. There's so much goodness in heaven. He wants to release to us. We just need to be positioned to catch it and call it down. So here it is. How? How is the ecclesia mobilized to bring about this change? So do you want to see your region changed and transformed? Do you want to see your region become a region dedicated to God? Do you believe it can happen? Do you believe God wants to make it happen? So here's the thought. The enemy is a divider, right? God is a connector. 
right? The enemy uh, wants to numb the pain. We, God wants us to grow through it. The enemy just wants to see cold, hard justice, right? With no, and God wants mercy, yes. right? <clears throat> so here's the revelation that God gave to Dr. Ed Silvoso. He showed him that Jesus' ministry in Luke chapters one through nine was a struggle, epitomized by this statement. Jesus is saying, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you? Sounds like frustration to me, right? (laughs) Now, the second half of Luke, there's this whole shift. Jesus makes this comment, yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart. What happened? Well, what happened between Luke 9 and 11 is Luke 10. So here's the plan that the Lord revealed to Dr. Ed Silvoso. This is where Jesus sends out the teams of 70 or 72, depending on which translation, right? But the point is, is he sent out teams two by two, and he gave them instructions. And the instructions reveal the strategy of the ecclesia. So go ahead in every town. Once you enter a house, speak to the people there and say, God's blessing of peace be upon this house. So step one is bless. This was a heart transformation for me, right? So especially, you know, I live in Washington, D.C. area, and it's it's all political. Everything's political. So everything's polarized, right? So I'm on one side of the aisle, and I'm just thinking all these negative thoughts about the people on the other side of the aisle, (laughs) right? That is not what God is saying to do. What God is saying to do is to bless them, Bless them. Release your peace to them. Right? That takes an act of love. Yes. Right? And it, it requires us to operate in the opposite spirit. Right? Amen? When you enter in a new town, you've been there and, and, you've, and you have been welcomed by its people. Follow these rules. Eat what has served you. Right? In other words, break bread with the people. Fellowship with the people. Connect with the people. They don't have to agree with you, with us, right? They don't have to have the same religion, the same beliefs, the same values. He's saying just connect with them, just fellowship with them. Because you can't have influence over people that you don't have relationship with. So we have to build relationship. Then heal the sick, Jesus said, which is ministering to their needs. Right? When the mayor in Rosario came to the pastor and he said, okay, this miracle has happened, the rioting all of a sudden stopped, you know, what should I do next? He wanted to meet their practical needs. What miracle do you need? Right? He wanted to meet their practical needs. The governor needed somebody to bring hope to these 50,000 youth for which the government had no idea what to do with these youth. But God has the plan, right? And the fourth thing is, and then preach. Right? So that's the plan. Right? Bless, fellowship, minister, and then proclaim. So that was the revelation. So um, Ciudad Juarez. It's a border city in Mexico opposite El Paso, right across the border, right, in Mexico. 
leading drug trafficking city because of its easy access into the U.S. It was the murder capital of the world. And the pastor there said, you know, God, there's, there's just something that's got to be done here. There's something that you've got to be able to do. And he prayed and fasted, set up a tent in the city and just prayed. Went to the highest place in the city. And he said, Ciudad Juarez, you are no longer an orphan. I adopt you in the name of Jesus. Blessing, right? The Lord started to reveal some things. Went into the governor, you know, similar deal. What can I do for you? No, he asked the pastor, and the pastor says, no, I came to offer you service. What can I do for you? Right? Articulated his need. God met that need. He said, okay, you have my attention. Right? One thing led to another, and all this goodness and blessing starts to flow. And the drug cartels were operating out of the prisons. Right? They had been arrested. They had been incarcerated. But there was so much chaos, so much lack of order, and so much corruption even the warden and, all, and most of the, uh, what do you call the jail? Guards, thank you. Most of the guards were all paid off by the drug cartels so that they could freely run and operate their, their drug operations out of the prison. So after these, these performing miracles, after God performed miracles, after God met the needs of this government official, the government official said, hey, I would like you to appoint my next warden for the prison. So he prayed, the pastor prayed, right? And he gave him an opportunity to select and he chose somebody. So the first thing that happens right early in his tenure, right? This Christian is now positioned over the jail system as in comes a guy, puts a gigantic bag of money, says, okay, here's $15,000, right? To look the other way. He says, no, I can't accept that. Oh, you're one of those. Okay, here's 20,000. Right? Kept going and going and going. I said, what's it going to take to buy you off? And he said, I can't be bought off because I serve the living God. Now, what God did in that transaction was left an impression on this, this uh, uh, messenger from the drug cartels. The, he heard the chief, uh, the chief, which in, and so these drug cartels have roots in the Aztec religion, and the chief is their deity. So that messenger ran back to the drug cartels and said, the new warden is from the chief. And so they wouldn't touch him. Because he was off limits because he was their deity. He was from their deity. They ran a raid. They took out all the corrupt guards in one night. Right? And they completely turn around. They, they re- regain control, right? Not through any armed things, but all through the grace of God. They tra- turned that gate of Hades mm. into a gate of heaven, yeah. right? And what is like 600 or so of the prisoners gave their lives to the Lord, right? In the prison. Why? Because how can you resist the blessing love of God? Today, these guys have 
such favor with the government. They're working on an immigration, a legal immigration program to send workers from Mexico into the U.S. to work the farms in the U.S. Why? Because we're some like three or four million workers short, farm workers short. All right? And everybody in Mexico, even doctors, want to come across and work these fields because they can turn their $3.50 a day into $10 an hour. And there's an H-2A, there's a, a visa program that little known, but they, they found this, Lord revealed it, and what they want to do is to send workers over, come into the U.S. for three years, and have the ecclesia disciple them and teach them how to become business owners so when they go back, they can start their own businesses with the money they saved, and they've got a little saving program that's part of this, with the money they saved so they can start businesses and revive the economy back in Suaridad, Right, uh, Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Such influence, such favor. This is how God thinks. He loves, for God so loved the world. He loved the businesses, the farms, the schools, the education. Of course, the people. Jesus died for the people. But he wants the systems of the world resurrected and transformed as well. And that requires influence. Influence requires relationship. Relationship starts vertically. Yes. So here's my last point. It starts with our own hearts. It starts with opening up all the way, letting Jesus all the way in. Right? In Romans, Paul writes about dead, dead, dead. Right, anybody see that Chris Valentin teaching? Dead, dead, dead. I don't know, this must say dead a hundred million times in that video. <clears throat> Do we trust our loving God enough to surrender everything we've got and everything we are? Do we trust that his plan is better than ours? Do we believe that his goodness is even bigger than we can even imagine? Do we believe that if we release everything to him, he'll give us even better back? The transformation of our city and our nation starts with the transformation of us individually, right? And then that transformation goes off to our household, our family, then our city, and our nation. And that's how our nation gets saved. That's how our nation, the United States of America, becomes a nation after God. And in God we trust becomes not just a thing on the coin, but a motto in our heart. It becomes walked out in the streets of every city and state in this nation. Because why? Because God has been given the ability to release his blessings and his love upon the people. And the people will bring transformation to the systems of the world. So Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your truth. Lord, I just thank you for your heart that you so love us and the systems of this world. 
that you paid such a tremendous price to redeem it back. Lord, thank you for these revelations that are fresh and new and for such a time as this to bring transformation to this region. Let's start here in the Harrisburg region and to transform the state, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, and to transform this nation and then to the nations of the world. Lord, I just, you have graced me, Lord, with a, a gift to hear and listen to customers and understand and discern their need. Lord, I just want to release that gift to this body, this unique ability to hear, to listen with more than just ears, to discern and distinguish the needs of others even if it's not fully articulated, the needs of others, so that we can then minister to their needs. As Jesus said, Lord, as you said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Back to you. Could y'all stand? Do you want to lift up your hands and declare this? Say, in the name of Jesus, I am a carrier of his presence. And God has placed inside of me what my family and my community need. And so I declare today that the gift of God inside of me is being released into my world. And I will see the mountain of the Lord's house established in my world. And I decree that I will not devalue who I am or what I carry. But I will take what's inside of me and I will place it in the hands of God to advance his purposes through me. I decree it in Jesus' name. Amen.